interesting question. Of course, everyone has barriers along the way. I think that when I was very young and first sort of thinking about getting into the sports industry, my like a lot of kids, you dream of being an Olympian or an elite athlete yourself. Oh, I love playing sport. I could be a professional, something like that. And then there's that sort of slow creeping realization that maybe you're not quite as good as you thought you were. <laughs> and so then you sort of have to make that switch to say, look, I still love this industry. Where could I fit? And it's about keeping that fire and passion alive that drove you to participate in those sports in the first place and then transitioning it across to being able to visualize yourself as maybe an elite coach or an elite administrator or an elite sports photographer or somewhere where you don't have to segue out and then but you can still say true to what you are. So Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Sporting Directions, proudly sponsored by Tsunami's Teamwear, with myself, Simon Atkinson. And me, Tavis Roberts. For those of you new to the show, Sporting Directions is a podcast aimed at providing some ideas, some guidance and some direction for those of you who want to pursue your own career in the world of sport. Over the course of this first series, we'll be interviewing a range of professionals from different areas of the sporting industry and getting them to share with us some of their amazing stories, and also sharing with us some of their achievements, their struggles, and any advice they might have for many of you out there wanting to also pursue your own career in the sports industry. Today, we are very happy to welcome Cindy Adair. Cindy is currently the International School Assistant Principal and the Athletic Director at Bangkok Patna School. So welcome, Cindy. Let's begin with what is a strong memory which led you in the direction of pursuing your own career in sport. Hi, Simon and Tavis, and uh, thank you so much for having me today. A strong memory. To be honest, uh, sport has been woven into my childhood. I have a really strong memory of a Christmas day. My mum and dad used to volunteer at the local surf club in Australia. And uh, of course, the short straw was... Um, up on offer who wanted to go and patrol the beach on Christmas morning and so my mum and dad had put up their hand and I remember you know being down there hot sun that's what Christmas looks like for us down in the uh, the southern part of the world and just having a ball with my brother on the boogie board and uh, that real strong family connection to just the outdoors sport volunteerism and being involved from there you know my brother and I my mum and dad there weren't many times through our childhood where someone wasn't driving off to some kind of sporting event, sporting fixture, volunteer opportunity, coaching, education, workshop, etc. It really was in our blood, so to speak, and woven into everything we did, even Christmas Day. Hey, Cindy, I can actually relate. I was a surf lifesaver back in Australia as well. Um, oh, and I used to, yeah, I used to patrol a beach uh, at Lennox Head. So... I understand like the the hot Christmas sun going off to the beach. It was kind of like a tradition for us as well. Did you find that it took extra effort to uh, continue being involved in sport with your volunteering as you hit your teenage to young adult years? Um, I don't know whether it was extra effort. It just it just changed and shape-shifted. Um, obviously, when you go into your teen years, your parents become a slightly lesser influence temporarily, and it's all about what your friends are doing and, you know, staying with the crowd. Um, and so my interests shift and change. And I, you know, there's not many sports I didn't try at some point, you know, whether it was tennis or softball, or track and field, 
the odd triathlon with a friend in a team, um, you know, and I kind of settled in on swimming and netball as my things. And then it was through those sports that I got opportunities to try my hand at coaching and refereeing and, you know, helping to run the tuck shop for the, for the little kids and things like that, that my passion for sort of all things sport was able to kind of be nurtured and developed. But yeah, I mean, there were certainly pulls for other things, you know, academics and, um, you know, social life and stuff like that. But I was lucky enough to grow up in quite a small country town in New Zealand um, through my sort of secondary school years and sport was my social life. And so they kind of intersected nicely and kept those passions alive, I guess. It sounds like you took a lot of inspiration and support from your friends. Would you agree yeah, on that absolutely. one? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I had some great friends who were, wanted to be active like me. Um, and, you know, we wanted to be active and do things together. So that was great. And I had a great supportive family and a younger brother who was doing the same sort of stuff. So it was an environment where being active, being outdoors and having a crack at lots of things, whether you were good, bad or really quite ugly, <laughs> it was, was encouraged and was, was fun, you know. And so through your uh, friendships, it sounds like you were able to support a lot of your own self-development and independence. And so when you were interacting in your sporting sort of world with your friends, uh, with your family, was there anyone that you found that was inspiring you to sort of keep on going? Um, absolutely. I mean, a big influence for me has always been my mum and dad. My dad in particular um, was an active community coach. So he coached the local First 15 rugby team for the school. He was also a, a volunteer swimming coach. So I took a lot of inspiration from him, just that, you know, the giving of your time and really getting involved in building something. And it was through him, his inspiration that I sort of started my first part-time jobs as you know, as a lifeguard and a, and a junior learn to swim teacher at the local pool and sort of got into the world of aquatics through him. No, that's, that's really inspiring. Um, I mean, I love the, the, the word volunteerism keeps coming up. Uh, I mean, I think that's absolutely key to anyone in the sporting industry because that, that, that volunteerism, it's, it's important to give back um, to keep this industry alive, but also to network. Uh, and to and to meet the people we need to meet and, and anyone listening to this thinking how how do I how do I get into into the world of sport or or into employment in the world of sport um I, I think the thing that that's quite key and we've heard time and time again is it's just getting out there uh, and getting yourself known and, and and showing you can do the job would you agree Cindy absolutely um and you know some people say volunteerism is is kind of dying in sport but I, I disagree. There, there are very few sporting organisations in the world where if you wrote to the person involved or went to meet with the person involved and said, hey, I've got some time, I'm willing to give this, this, this is what my skills look like, who would turn you away? Um, you know, and I've volunteered in different organisations as, as a coach, as a referee, as just a spare set of hands to make sausage sizzles to, to fundraise. But now a lot of my volunteering takes the form of sitting on boards and you know, developing policy and running leagues and things like that through my current role and that volunteering spirit and being able to give something back to your sport and really help to build it as we move forward is just as important and really, really can help to shape the experience that students get in our sports. Well, it sounds like you've had an absolutely fantastic foundation to kind of begin your journey. And, and it's great to know that 
from what we've heard, you, you're trying everything you can to build that foundation for others, which is, which is again, back to the, to the idea of giving back to, to society and giving back to others. I have got one big question now. Is we've heard that there's been a lot of positives, a lot of real kind of um, achievements. What I'd love to know is, have there been any barriers to you kind of achieving your goal of, of, of a career in sport? And, and, and if, if there were any barriers, how did you overcome them? Um, interesting question. Of course, everyone has barriers along the way. I think that when I was very young and first sort of thinking about getting into the sports industry, my like a lot of kids, you dream of being an Olympian or an elite athlete yourself. And that's kind of the spark, isn't it? Oh, I love playing sport. I could be a professional, something like that. And then there's that sort of slow creeping realisation that maybe you're not quite as good as you thought you were. <laughs> and so then you sort of have to make that switch to say, look, I still love this industry. Where could I fit so I think that's the first thing that sort of happens to most of us because let's be honest the percentage of people who make make it as an elite athlete is, is quite narrow and it's about keeping that fire and passion alive that drove you to participate in those sports in the first place and then transitioning across to being able to visualize yourself as maybe an elite coach or an elite administrator or an elite sports photographer or somewhere where you don't have to segue out and then, but you can still say true to what you want. So I guess my first sort of transition was that kind of realization. I was a good school-based athlete, but I was never going to be an elite athlete. So I started to look for those other pathways. And that hurts, you know, you kind of keep those little childhood dreams get thrown out the door and you kind of readjust. At times there have been barriers where I felt like the environment that I found myself in was very male-dominated. And I've had to really push myself as a female sports professional and leader and really kind of try and have my own voice, stay true to who I am. And so that, but I'm finding that more and more the fabric is changing and that's not happening anymore. And that might, that'll be, that's because I think that lots of my male colleagues are adjusting the way they work, but it's also because I'm a little bit older, maybe a little bit wiser about the way I put things across and a little bit more sure of myself as I go forward. So there's not that sort of internal conflict about whether you're being an imposter. So I think those are those sort of the main barriers you come up against. But I think that if I was to speak to people who are just getting in, into the industry, stay flexible, stay nimble and be ready to kind of pivot Everyone hates that word post-COVID. It got overused far too much two years ago. Um, but yeah, be ready to be to pivot and be strategic about how you can stay in the industry, but also be true to yourself. Cindy, you've just given us so much to unpack at there from, yeah, from like being able to switch and transition uh, to your barriers in a male-dominated industry. And then uh, a little bit of advice. If I could just dive into maybe the first part about your switch and transition. Like when you were in your high school, in your teenage years, do you remember uh, a moment that you received from the coach where they sat you down and said, look, maybe this isn't the way for you. And then what did you do to sort of keep going? Like, did you go back to volunteering or going back to service? How did you find your path forward again? I, I, to be honest, I never had a moment where a coach sat me down and, and crushed my dreams or anything, um, which is lovely. I think that I 
I was able to see the writing on the wall, right? What my sport was swimming and I loved it and trained long hours. I was a great trainer, but not such a great racer, if I'm honest. Um, I over a chronic overthinker and used to stress myself out when I was on the blocks. And also, you know, as I grew and my body changed and I turned into the person I was going to be, I wasn't quite as as fantastically fast as I was as same a pre-puberty 11, 12 year old swimmer. So those are the sort of things that went on. And by the time I got to be 16, 17, I could see that I wasn't in, you know, I wasn't going to be at that top level. I think that what I did which was quite amusing when I think back at it now, I've always been quite strategic. So I slowly changed the events I'd go in. So I started off my swimming life loving the 100 breaststroke, but slowly I kept finding events where I was like, oh, I'll do the 200 fly and the 400 IM because there's a limited number of people who are willing to be in that much pain. So then I'll have more chance of being successful. <laughs> so I slowly started to kind of transition my way through the swimming events to keep myself in the sport. And then by the time I was doing 15K open water, I was like, oh, I think maybe this is time to admit that this might not be my elite sport uh, dream coming true here. But, you know, I enjoyed the journey. I was having a great time. I was still successful enough to, to do the training. And then it was through those things that I thought, oh, hey, I actually learned a lot along the way here. I know a lot about stroke mechanics. I know a lot about energy systems and how to train bodies. And I'd like to work with other people and help to share what I've learned along the way it's not time wasted it's just and it's actually really handy to have been I don't think I could call myself an athlete but being active and be, then to have that perspective when you're being a coach as well let's talk about that journey a little bit more and your journey as you mentioned previously was very much in a male dominated industry okay you probably had uh, departments that were mostly male and there may have been times where you were only female so how do you keep with your like self-identity or your self-authenticity? What advice would you give to young girls going into a male-dominated industry? Well, I think the world is changing really quickly. So the good news for young females going into the industry now is that things are, are very different. And in, my, in most parts, 99.9% .9 of my colleagues who are male have been super supportive of me in my career. So I don't want to paint a picture where, you know, it was all doom and gloom and I was fighting the good fight. It wasn't like that. There were some wonderful male colleagues who were super supportive of me. But there are sometimes just environments where you find yourself and you're like, you do kind of check yourself. You look around and you go, wow, I'm the only girl here. And it's silly things like we break, we're having a board meeting and we break for a toilet break. And all the men go one way and Cindy goes off down the corridor to find the ladies, <laughs> things like that. You know, and sometimes the things that people will chat about socially, I can't relate to as much, um, but it's just about being who you are, having a laugh. You don't need to turn yourself into one of the boys to be listened to, just need to be authentic, share your ideas respectfully and, and don't take yourself too seriously. Often you're there to, you know, arrange a football tournament. You're not there to advance the cause of feminism every single meeting that you have. <laughs> um, and just relax, enjoy that process. And if you know your stuff and you're able to suggest a great format for that football tournament or a new interesting way to get better referees or whatever, then you'll be listened to. I, I love that. I love that. So, uh, so I think we've established good things about being the only woman in the room. No queue for the toilets. <laughs> no queue for the toilet. No for the That's toilet. true. 
but ultimately, um, going back back to, to to the idea of of women in sport, because I know that we're gonna have a lot of um, well, girls, women listening to this podcast, and there is a big shift. I think we have to acknowledge that there has been a huge shift uh, in, in in recent years in numerous sports. Um, so my background, as many will know, is, is rugby. The, the 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 women's world cup has just been announced uh for 2025 in england so i'm i'm very happy um, the next one in australia brilliant yeah, <laughs> but the main thing to highlight with that sport as a as just an example is the amount of attention women's sport is getting is exploding yeah. absolutely exploding and women's sport is now becoming professional it's now being recognized for what it should be and that is just as good as, as male sport and the women give as much, potentially even more than the men do, because as you've just highlighted, that there are some barriers out there. But I think it is also important to highlight what you said. It's not all doom and gloom. You know, if, 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 there's, if, there's a, if there's a girl or woman out there that wants to go into sport, there are opportunities. There are very, lots of very supportive individuals out there. But more importantly, just don't be discouraged by the people who aren't supportive or, or, or when you do come up against the barrier. And I love the idea of, of, and I've written down here uh, on my many, many notes from this conversation, so thank you for that, is um, keep your identity. I love that. Don't feel you need to, as a woman, become one of the men. You know, you, you're, you think your own way. You, you, you put forward your own ideas. You see it from your own perspective. And, and through being, in other words, authentic, you can really make a difference. And I think all, all the girls and the, and the women listening to this need to know that if you keep your identity, if you keep to your morals, if you keep your integrity and you stay authentic, you'll make a difference and, 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 and you will succeed. You've just got to keep going and keep that hard work. Is there, is there anything you want to add on to that, Cindy? No, I think you've summed it up really well. I think that, that, that authenticity is everything, isn't it? From whatever gender you are whatever you identify as, as long as you are yourself, you can never really go wrong because if you're busy being somebody else, that's exhausting. <laughs> and eventually cracks will show and there'll be inconsistencies in who you are. So yeah, I'm all for just be yourself, know your stuff, and then people will uh, respect you. I like that. I, I like that a lot. You know, uh, be yourself, respect yourself, and people will understand you. Um, I, I, and again, I think it comes back to something that uh, I cheekily try and get into every interview, and that is uh, what you can see on the wall behind me, uh, which yes, is uh, you, you do what you love and love what you do, and the rest will come. And, and I'd love to get another one, thank, thanks to this conversation that says, be authentic. Yes. Um, and maybe one on the other side that says be a good person I think they, they are definitely things to live your life by anyway I, I want to go back to, to, to what you've discussed and I'd love to know I would really really love to know if if you were sat in front of a, a huge room boys and girls who wanted to achieve what you have achieved what, what advice would you give them what pathway would you suggest they take to achieve the things that you have achieved wow big question I think that the Key thing is stay open and take your opportunities. And also, if you want it, fight for it and be creative in the way that you, you know, pivot and, and change. And, you know, I've had some times in my career and my kind of where things have worked out or not worked out. And then, 
you know, I've had to really go back and sort of soul search and go, okay, how can we make this work? And I've had the opportunity to work overseas and I've moved into and out of countries for different reasons. And it's through those moves that I've had to go, well, well it's not quite a good fit for me, but it, it, it works in my life right now for these reasons. So I'm going to take what I know and I'm going to take a risk and I'm going to apply it in this way. And then, you know, something will change and you think, yep, that's the end of the road for this experience. And then you've got to kind of be strategic, take what you've learned, gather that up and say, okay, what could I apply it to next? I mean, that old adage of having one job that you stay at for your whole life um, is just not the reality anymore. And especially in the sports industry. So it's about gathering your skills along the way and then being willing to think outside the box about how you could apply that. So, you know, I maybe first of all really focused on the coaching side and then after that I pivoted and did more sports administration and then you know at different times I've done you know sports media and lots of writing and things like that because I really enjoy that but there's always a way to weave your passions into things even if the perfect opportunity doesn't pop up because timing's everything and sometimes your timing's on and it's wonderful and you're a hero and sometimes your timing's off and you're in a hole and you think oh god what am I going to do now but you've never lost those skills so that's the that's a thing to hold on to. Throughout this interview, you've shown that you've developed a lot of self-confidence, okay? And you've shown a lot of resilience, just in like the brief mentions that you've given to the barriers and how you keep sort of striving forward and pushing forward to grow your knowledge. Do you think uh, sport has been sort of instrumental in sort of shaping this character or attitude that you are using to your own success now in your journey? Absolutely. I mean, um, I am a glasses half full type of person and I unashamedly, when I interview people and try to bring them onto my organisations or I'm looking for those people too. <laughs> In terms of the impact of sport, I, I do think sport's a brilliant tool to teach resilience. You know, if you're going to be great at any sport, you're going to have to train hard and training is it's a slog and it hurts sometimes and you learn to push through those pain barriers to count down through the reps you know um and and you you gain that sort of big picture longer term appreciation of what it takes to be successful there are very few people who can just jump into a sport and be hugely successful without working hard if you're going to work that hard for that long you've got to really love it so those are the two things that go together you've got to have the passion otherwise you won't stick at it and then sport teaches you it sounds very cliched and a bit woo woo but you know it's the it's the process it's the journey that you go on I hate that word <laughs> that helps you to really feel proud when you get to the end point it's not an instant gratification thing right so that helps I also have the uh, no pain, no gain sort of thing up on my wall that I look at. There's another one um, that I like to uh, look at just over here on my other wall. And it's like, never discourage anyone that continues to make progress, like no matter Absolutely. how slow. It sounds like your journey is far from over. Okay. And it sounds like you're, <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you're, you're continuing to move forward. So where do you think you will go next? Uh, where is your passion or your uh, drive leading you to? Um, great question. Um, at the moment, my passion and drive is, is leading me towards professional learning and coach education. I want to really work to, you know, upskill 
others and try and create opportunities. I really enjoy writing and um, contributing in that kind of space. So yeah, I'm at the state and I've recently finished my master's. So I, I just, yeah, soaking up knowledge and trying to work out ways to pass it on and giving other people space to share their knowledge as well. So that's the kind of space that really excites me right now and I'm doing I'm, I've got a real passion for sustainability and how we can bring um, more sustainability into sporting events but also schools more generally and I'm really active in the sort of diversity equity inclusion kind of space at the moment I'm really fascinated about how we can break down some of the barriers that all sorts of people have felt in terms of getting involved in sports, in our industry, and then being successful and feeling welcomed and safe in those environments. So just a few plans for the future then, Cindy, just, just a few. <laughs> just a few, just a few. <laughs> no, but I think that's absolutely key, isn't it? It's, it's never stand still. I, I, I've always lived by, by the, the idea of never stand still, uh, always try and keep moving forward. Uh, sometimes we have to move backwards. I think that's very important to, for people to hear. Sometimes uh, the old adage we've heard, you know, you have to take two steps back to take four steps forward sometimes. But but I've, I've written so many notes from our conversations and there's lots of fantastic takeaways, Cindy. And I, think, I hope anyone listening to this will, will, will remember that this is an exciting industry to be in. There are so many opportunities and you do need to stay open. You do need to take your opportunities when they're presented to you. You need to be adaptable or as you hate to call it, Pivotal. I think it's a great word. I've, I've not heard it before. I love it. I'm, I'm going to steal that one. So you might hear it more now in, in my region. And the thing that just keeps coming up over and over and over again in every conversation that we've had, it's, it's be prepared to put the work in. Be prepared to work hard. But you're the first person we've had that's really said, really put the effort in, but stay glass half full. Love it. Yeah. And I would agree, if, if, we, if you ever get to a point where you don't love it anymore, you don't enjoy it anymore, then definitely the, the direction needs to change. Would, would, would you agree? Absolutely. And, um, you know, I grew up, my, one of my mum's favourite sayings was always, a change is as good as a holiday. You just, when you change, you know, everything looks fresh again and new challenge. And, you know, you, sometimes you have to start again, like you say, because you don't know, you know, you're not the expert in the field anymore, but there's fun in that challenge um, and I've had the opportunity to kind of switch countries and switch places in the, the industry into different roles and every time I've done that it's been scary sometimes really scary um, and it's humbling because you don't know everything I remember when I took my first AD role and in the very first year people would come to the door and say oh, have you, um, is the coaches meeting on this afternoon? Um, is there an agenda yet? I'm like, yeah, yeah, no problem. I'm on that. I was, I'm just about to email it to you. And then someone would shut the door and I'd be like, ah, need to write an agenda for coaches meeting, <laughs> you know? And so there's lots of little moments like that. And we all have to admit that that's where we started and that there's, there's power in that. And then I didn't forget an agenda for the coaches meeting ever again. But that's how you learn, isn't it? You don't, you don't arrive at every new crossroads with every skill in place, feeling like a legend. Often you're sort of sitting in your office going, oh, I hope, hope someone else knows how to do that. 
Yeah, I, I, I can relate to that. I've I've been in many situations where I've been humbled very, very quickly. And uh, I think it is very important for people in these positions of leadership, no matter how big or how small, to to not be afraid to, to hold your hand up and go, I'm I'm not I, I need to learn more. Um I, I need to I need to talk to someone who knows more. I uh I'm I, I need to develop, I need to, to to grow in this role. And I think it I think it's an important skill, certainly for for someone to to not kind of carry on thinking they know it all, but be prepared to admit they don't know it all and, and be prepared to learn and grow and develop. And I personally will always praise any any member of staff or whether they be working with me uh, or not working with me, who is willing to admit they don't know something, admit they need some help on something, knowing that from that, they're gonna grow into to, to a, a better person. And, and as you said, not forget to do the agenda next time. <laughs> anyway, we're, um, we're, we're kind of running out of time and, and it's a shame because I've really, really enjoyed this conversation. So thank you, Cindy. What we love to do with our, with, with our guests is throw in a few kind of fun questions at the end, try and get a different perspective of, of you uh, and, and, and what might have been. And my, and my question relates to that quite well. If you weren't in the sports industry, if, if you weren't in the role or your life hadn't taken the direction it's taken, where else do you think you might have ended up? Oh, so many places. <laughs> I think that I would have liked to be in like the a diplomatic corps in international politics, maybe working in embassies, trying to, you know, international relations really interests me. Um, absolute like news fiend. I'm up every morning. My my little ode to fitness is that I ride this little recumbent bike every morning and watch the ABC news feed in Australia and CNN and Al Jazeera and any bit of sort of news that I can get my hands on while I cycle away and try and get some work-life balance happening. And yeah, I'm just fascinated by international politics. I like to imagine myself in embassies brokering deals between people so maybe something like that or maybe um, I also really enjoyed theatre as a kid so singing and dancing on stage I've always been a bit of a show-off and I think coaching is a bit like that <laughs> sometimes you're putting on a performance to get the best out of people so yeah some very diverse weird ones there for you in your fun question category <laughs> uh, Cindy I love that uh, the multitasking on the stationary bike and getting your news fix at the same time exactly <laughs> Every morning. <laughs> um, my question, uh, what is a strange habit or skill that you have that have, has helped you on your way so far? Um, so I'm only, this is only kind of new. A couple of years ago, a, a really a good mentor of mine said to me, if you're ever having a crap day, send out three pieces of praise. And I've started doing that and it totally works. And especially for a person like me who kind of wants to be glasses half full, as I said before, you wants to be in that positive headspace. You know, in, in the roles I'm in, I sometimes deal with a lot of people and you can take on a lot of heaviness all in one go. And so to just kind of gather yourself and send out, it could be a quick email, a quick voice note, a text, and just say, hey, I saw, saw the game that you coached on Thursday you did a really great job or wow that was so amazing to see how you hosted that event and just sending out three bits of praise and if you do that all at once one two three bang 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 it's very hard to stay in your, your funk it kind of pulls you <laughs> out gets you thinking again and off you go 
Cindy, I love that. That is such a nice way to overcome uh, like a bad day, like to yeah. send out praise. Um, and it's a real giving attitude. And I've really loved this, uh, at, like this interview that we've had so far. And you've talked about so much, like the concepts that you have uh, given advice on from how to stay authentic and stay true to yourself, your growth mindset as you progress through your barriers and on your journey. It's been really enjoyable. So thank you very much for your time today. And I hope that you uh, continue on with your good luck and your goodwill into the future. Thanks, Tavis. Yeah, and please let me echo Tavis's uh, last, last words there. It's definitely uh, adamant you have this growth mindset and I love your glasses half full attitude. And I will certainly be stealing uh, a few ideas from you. I love the... Uh, I love the three emails or the three messages or the three positive conversations when you've had a uh, not such a good day. And uh, again, thank you. Thank you ever so much for all of your time. Thanks, Simon.